Daylight savings time. Uh, I haven't set that clock, so we're done. No. Uh, <laughs> look at that clock, just panic now. Uh, all right. Hang on. We're going to go fast. I got a lot to cover really quick, so um, we're going to move today. So we are in a, in a series on the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. Uh, there are a number of disciples that follow Jesus Christ. We're looking at the 12 that Jesus called as apostles. We have looked at them, and we're, going to look, we're looking at them in groups of four. So the, the first four, the, the main prominent four, were Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Uh, and we've already talked about Peter. We've talked about his brother, Andrew. And we've talked about James. And this morning, we're going to talk about John. Uh, they were brothers. So Peter and Andrew were brothers. Uh, Peter, we learned that Peter is one of those guys who teaches us that, you know what, we're all a work in progress. And uh, God doesn't give up on us. He continues to work with us. We talked about Andrew, who always was bringing people to Jesus Christ and was encouragement to us to, to be able to do that. Then we talked about uh, last week we talked about James. Uh, his brother is John, known as the Sons of Thunder. And we talked about the lessons that we can learn, that, that God can use each of us even in our, our temperaments and, and things like that. Uh, this morning we're looking at uh, James's brother, uh, John. Uh, James was the oldest. Um, John was the younger brother. And so we're going to be diving into him. Let me give you a, a, a bunch of things about John to kind of... Um, help you a little bit. Um, he's a younger brother of James. Uh, they both, James and John, leave John the Baptist to follow Jesus. Uh, usually, whenever he's mentioned, he's mentioned in connection with another disciple. There's one exception, and we're going to be looking at that uh, this morning. Uh, he wrote five of the books in your New Testament. Out of the 27 books, five of them were written by James, uh, by John. The Gospel of John was written by him. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John was written by John, and then Revelation uh, is the last book that was written by John. Uh, John, to give you a little bit of a perspective um, on John, he wrote uh, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John from Ephesus, and he wrote the book of Revelation from the Isle of Patmos, and we'll get into that in, in a second. Uh, John is uh, a... A unique person in that he was like James. So everything you read about James was true of John. So when we talk about mom going to, to try to get them to sit on the right hand and left hand, that was, that was John too. Uh, when we read about uh, wanting to call down fire from heaven and, with the Samaritans, and James came up with that idea, John was there too. So we have a lot of things that they're, they're, they're doing together. Um, he ha- he's involved in a, unique, a number of unique events with Jesus. Uh, in Mount Transfiguration, uh, James is there. Uh, that's going to give us a little bit of uh, insight this morning into uh, one of the stories that we're going to look at. So uh, let's dive into it. Before I put the passage up, though, let me give you some background. You need to know what's going on here. In this story, what has happened is Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. At the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus reveals himself in all of his glory. When Jesus reveals himself in all of his glory, two people show up, Moses and Elijah. And so there is Jesus, Peter, James, and John, Moses, Elijah. It's all there. And Peter's like, this is awesome, man. He says, you know what? He said, let's just live up here and let's build a temple, a tabernacle for all three of you guys. And, and, and John and James, we can just live up here and enjoy all this. And then, you know the story, immediately Moses and Elijah go away. And Jesus goes, you guys are missing the point here. It's about my glory. 
And it's about what I'm about ready to do for you guys. It's not about all of this stuff. And then Jesus does something that's unique with Peter, James, and John. And I just want you to let this sink in because this lays the background for what we're going to talk about. He looks at Peter, James, and John after they have seen Moses, Elijah, and Jesus in their glory. And he goes, okay, guys, that was really fun, but we ain't going to talk about it. So you can't say anything to anybody. Now, they're going to walk down to that mountain, and they're going to meet the other nine disciples. And what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to talk about it. But you know what they do? They, 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 the Bible says that they struggled, and they started murmuring among themselves. And the other disciples apparently picked up on what was going on. And so Jesus gathers all of them together, and he sits down with them. And he says, okay, guys. He said, let's uh, talk about this for a minute. He said, uh, you guys are all thinking that the kingdom of heaven is like some great big thing and, and, and you're important and all that kind of thing. But you need to understand, if you're going to follow me, it's really about serving one another. And it, you really need to, to serve and, to, and to, to give your and, and to minister to one another. And that's what this kingdom is about. Now that's the background for the story in which it's the only story that only John is mentioned. John, in other words, John's the one who comes up with this thing, all right? And you've got to notice what he says. Mark chapter 9, here's what it says. Um, he said, now John, so they've had this little discussion. You just talked about serving and all that kind of thing. And then John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. Now, you need to understand this. John is all about truth. He's son of thunder. In John's world, there's black and there's white. There is no gray. So in John's world, in fact, in his writings, 20 times, uh, 25 times in the gospel, he uses the word truth, 20 times in his epistle. So John is all about truth, being right, doing things the right way. And notice what he says. We saw someone who doesn't follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he doesn't follow us. He said, there was a guy, and he was doing stuff, and, and he doesn't, he's not like with us. So because he wasn't with us and doing it our way, I told him he had to stop. And notice what Jesus says. Do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he is not against us, is on our side. But whoever gives his life, whoever gives a cup of water or drink my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus looks at John and he goes, look, John, it's okay. Don't tell him he's got to do it the way we do it. John, cut him a little slack here. Now, for a guy whose world is black and white, This is tough. This is tough. Jesus looks at him and says, look, John, look, John, just because he's not doing it our way in the same manner and following us, and because he's over here, be careful, John, because ultimately, and Paul's going to argue this later um, in, in another passage, the idea of, look, it's, if it's of God, then let God take care of it. And if it's not, God will take care of it. And he looks at John, and he goes, John, look, be careful here about this whole truth thing, that you're so adamant about the truth, and you're so adamant about the way that it has to be done, that you miss that there are good people who are following me. They're just doing it a little bit different way. 
Now, this is tough because some of you are like me. You grew up in a background where you had to do the right thing and say the right thing and, and, and dress a certain way and act a certain way, and you pushed aside everybody that didn't do that. And you've got to be careful of that. You've got to be careful of that. Um, because what, he, what John here does, and you're going to see this progression in the life of John, this is a start for, for God to really work in John's heart. And, and you see this. In the life of John, one of the things you're going to see is you're going to see this focus in, ultimately on truth and love. Right now in John's life, again, he's with James, the guy who's going to call down fire from heaven like Elijah on the Samaritans because they didn't treat Jesus a certain way. So you, you, you see that. Um, look at John chapter 13. Here's another thing you see about John. Let me, and I'm going to throw all these out and then we'll do it. Um, in the disciples, what happened was Jesus is um, getting ready to go to the Last Supper, the Passover, okay, right before the, the, his crucifixion. So on the way um, to do that, he sends Peter and John to go ahead and get everything ready. So Peter and John go ahead and get everything ready. They now come to the Passover. All the disciples are sitting there together. Um, and they're kind of laying down on the floor. That was the way that they traditionally ate. And here's what it says. Um, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Jesus tells them that he's going to die. And then he says, And one of you is going to betray me. And then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. The disciples are like, you need to understand this. The disciples didn't know. Oh, yeah, we know it's Judas. The disciples are going, there's no way. There's not, we followed you. There's nobody here going to walk out on you. We are all in this for you. We have given everything. We've followed you. We're, who in the world, who, who among us would betray you? There's, there's no way. And notice what he said. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. You know who that is? John. When John, by the way, this is John chapter 13. This is John who wrote this. In the gospel of John, John never mentions his name. Whenever we see John mentioned, he's referred to in the gospel of John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I'm going to tell you why as we get a little bit farther in a minute. But it's interesting because John has gone from the son of thunder thing to a humility to the point that he doesn't even want people to know his name. So when he reads and when he talks about events, he refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. There's been a humility that started to, to, to work into his life. And, and he said, Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask him of whom it was he spake. So Peter goes, Hey, find out who it is, man. You know, I, I kind of want to know. You know, we'll, we'll take care of this right now. And notice, then leaning back on Jesus' breath, he said to him, Lord, who is it? As he was able to ask this incredibly personal question of Jesus. He said, Lord, who is it? So you see John change in, from this son of thunder thing with him and his brother to this issue of all of a sudden there's a humility in his life now. As he's in Ephesus writing back in, in the Gospel of John, there's this humility now about, you know what, I'm not even important enough to let people know my name that I was associated with this event. But here's what I do want people to know. I want people to know that Jesus loved me. That's what I want people to know. Now, this even goes further. 
Listen to 1 John chapter 4, and here's what he says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In, the lo in this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation or, or a substitute or a sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You watch this guy go from that, that, all about truth, to balancing out with love. I mentioned that 45 times in his gospel and his epistles, John uses the word truth. He uses the idea of love 80 times. In fact, what you find in the, in the gospel, of, uh, as you read the accounts of John, one of the things that you find is John, I think John was so consumed with this idea that God loved him that it, it, it literally shaped and molded his, his writings and teachings as, as he goes on. Think about it for a minute. What's the most famous verse in all the Bible? John, 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 3.16. God so loved. It starts out, by the way, John chapter 1 starts out about the word and truth. John chapter 3, it's God so loved. First John is full. John's a, his writings are all these contrasts. Love, righteousness, truth, darkness, um, following, not following. He has all of these things, these black and white kind of things. But his focus ends up being love. It's interesting, when Jesus is crucified, uh, one of the things that happens is they come to the garden and get him. Remember Peter, James, and John were, were pulled apart for a while to pray, and, as, and, and, and all of a sudden the, the guards come and they take him, and they take him to the high priest. It's interesting, the Bible says that, again, not his name not mentioned, but the disciple whom Jesus loved was allowed into the court because the high priest knew him. Remember we talked about James and John being the sons of Zebedee, and Zebedee knowing the high priest? The reason John was allowed to get into that inner circle was probably because of the connection of Zebedee. And Peter's the one who stands outside and ends up denying Christ. But Peter and John were together there in that event. The next thing that you have is you have John standing at the foot of the cross. Remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross? What does he say to John? Behold thy mother. That wasn't his mother. But what Jesus was doing was Jesus was saying, look, this person who is very special to me, mom, as the oldest son, I have a responsibility to take care of her. I want you now, John, to take care of her for me. And so history, not the Bible, but history tells us that what happened was John ended up uh, moving to Ephesus, probably became the pastor at Ephesus, ended up writing the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John at Ephesus. Apparently Mary at some point dies. Because John is a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the kings, one of the emperors, exiles him to an island called Patmos. That was the penal colony of the day. That was the jail of the day. And typically what they would do is if somebody went into a penal colony thing, what they would do is they'd drop them off on the island with all the other criminals, and whoever lived, lived, and whoever died, died. Um, so John was able to live on the island. It was there that he wrote the book of Revelation, which, by the way, if you think about it for a minute, one of the things that the book of Revelation says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and behold, there was no more sea. Why is that important? Well, let me tell you something. If you're living your life, life's existence on an island, and all of a sudden you get to see heaven, and you go, oh, 
first thing I noticed is there's no sea here. This is awesome. Uh, but he writes the book of Revelation. History tells us that what happens is at the end of his life, they feel sorry for John, f- feeling like he was exiled for the wrong reason. They bring him back to Ephesus. In order to get to church, his health was so poor that they had to physically carry him into church every, day, every time that the, the, the church was open. So they, bring, they, carry John, they carry John in for the services, set him down. And on the way in, he said the same thing every time. And here's what he would say. Children, love one another. Children, love one another. The people who brought him in were getting so tired of hearing this, they looked at him and said, John, can you say anything else? I mean, we're getting tired of hearing it. Well, you know, hey, John, how you doing? Children, love one another. Hey, John, how was your week? Children, love one another. And he said, John, why do you keep saying that? Here was his reply. It is the Lord's command. If this is done, it's enough. He said, this guy, son of thunder, this guy who was temperamental and argumentative and wanted to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritans and, and, and wanted to sit next to the kingdom of God. At the end of his life, after he's watched, by the way, all of the other apostles die. John or um, James was the first apostle to die. Remember we talked about that last week? That was his older brother. He would have watched his older brother be martyred. He would have watched all of the other disciples be martyred. He's the only one that is not martyred. He dies of old age uh, of natural causes in 98 AD. And some of his last words are, children love one another. This guy has come full circle from this idea of being a hothead, temperamental, black and white, don't have, he's still, believe me, he, he didn't compromise what he believed. He still has all, read the book of 1 John. I mean, he's a black and white guy. He's like, if you love God, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you don't love God. There's no fudge room in, the God, in, in, the, in 1 John on this is what a Christian is and this is what a Christian looks like. Um, you, you say that you love God, but you're, you, you love the world and you're passionate about the things of the world, then you don't love God. I mean, he's black and white. But his issue is this. It's all tempered now with this idea of love and, and the importance of it. All right, a couple of takeaways. Um, here we are. Um, here, here's some things I think will help us. First of all, when you look at the life of John, here's what you see, particularly in the book of Revelation. You know, everybody likes Revelation because it's like all this stuff you got to kind of figure out and stuff like that. But you, you want to know what the theme of Revelation is? Here, here's here, here, here's not, Revelation in a nutshell. Everything you need to know about Revelation right now, here it is. If you're a believer, the best is yet to come. That's it. Well, what about like the dragons and the heads and the, the trumpets and the seals and the jet? Look, if you're a believer, the best is yet to come. And John writes this book under the inspiration of God, by saying, look, the best is yet to come. Now, look, we're in a culture, we're in a part, a, a, a crossroads in our country right now where you need to really bank on that. If you're a child of God here this morning, the best is yet to come. I mean, the future ahead for us is awesome. You take your worst day on this planet, it is the worst day you will ever experience for all of eternity. That's it. That's a, it cannot get any worse for you than that day, ever. If you're here this morning and you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ, Revelation talks about how this thing ends. And it doesn't end well. 
And the best day that you've ever had on this planet will be the best day you ever have for all of eternity. Because unfortunately for you, it ain't getting any better. And John encourages believers with this idea of looking. When we have our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, folks, let me tell you something. I don't care what happens in this world. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And that's incredibly encouraging when you live in a world that's in turmoil. And when, 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 when these books are written, you need to understand that the world was in tremendous turmoil. People were dying because they called themselves a Christian. They weren't just having a rough time. They weren't just dealing. I mean, they, they were literally giving their lives because they believed in Jesus Christ. The best is yet to come. I think another lesson you see in this guy's life is this idea that um, truth has to be balanced with love. It's interesting, one of the phrases with Jesus is that he was full of grace and mercy. Truth mixed with grace and mercy. You know, I, I think that's something we've lost as Christians. We've become so, truth has become so important to us. And, and I don't want to minimize it. You know me. I, I'm all about truth. I'm all about the Word of God. I'm all about those things. But when we don't mix it with just as much love, that we become egotistical or proud. And people don't want anything to do with that. I mean, the disciples will not, you know, it doesn't say, hey, they, they knew they were disciples by how much knowledge they had of the Old Testament. They knew they were disciples by how much they followed Jesus. They knew they were disciples by how much they gave their life to Jesus. No, no, no. They knew that they were disciples because of their love. John, actually, one of the things that John says is, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. And it's the idea there, that whole concept, and, and as he talks about it, it's the idea of they're walking in truth, but they're walking in such a way that it's also loving. Look, I have no problem with whatever you believe about the political system out there and what's going on in your party and blah, 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 and all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you something. If you don't speak in love, you're, you're hindering your testimony. You really are. And, and honestly, I have friends who are posting stuff on Facebook that make me cringe. Because I'm like, you know what? I may agree with what you say, but the way you are saying it, nobody wants to hear that. And you're not going to have an opportunity to tell that person about Christ because of the way you said it on that issue. Be careful there. Be really, really careful here, folks. Because I think Satan is using some of this stuff to hinder our testimony, and we're not even aware of what's going on. Think about it for a minute. Those of you who are married, speak the truth in love. You know, one of the hardest questions I've ever gotten being married is when my wife looks at me and says, Honey, what do you think about this outfit? <clears throat> Here's the bottom line. Some of them I ain't liked. And I go, now I can lie. And God is forgiving. Or I can speak the truth. But if I speak the truth, I have to speak the truth in love. And it's time to look and go, you know what? And she knows. She, if I say this, she knows. I go, you know, it's not my favorite. 
Um, yeah. Truth, love, you know. Um, you know, because why? Because you, you have to learn that balance. You know what? I, you know, I've, I've had this. I've had people where, where I've had to tell them some tough things. And, and one of the things that I've learned in ministry is one of the things I try to end it with is, okay, first of all, you understand that I love you, right? You have any question about whether or not I love or care? No, I know you do. Okay. Then here's the truth. What you're doing is wrong, and what you're doing needs to change. If you want to walk according to how God wants you to walk, then you have to change. I love you, and I'm going to love you whether you change or not. But you've asked me what the Bible says. You've asked me what you should do here. You've asked me how the Bible sees this. This is where it is. I'll be friends with you whether you change or not. I care about you whether you change or not. But you know what? This is the truth, and what you're doing is wrong. We've got to get to that point. But if they don't know how much we care, then it comes across as egotistical. And, and here's the thing. John was able to make that transition. John was able to make that transition. And that's the last thing that I see about this guy is the idea of God's power to change a life. I think the reason, you know, some people question why John didn't put his name in the Gospel of John. They, in fact, some people actually say it's egotistical to go, oh, I'm the guy Jesus loved. I don't think that's why he did it. I think the reason that he did it is because John was so amazed that God could love him. That in spite of his passion and his flying off the handle and his, all, the, all, the, all the mistakes that he made, that he was so overwhelmed with the fact that God loved him that when he talks about himself, rather than go, oh, the great apostle John, he just went, I'm the guy Jesus loved. You know, the one thing I've learned Children, love one another. Want my life message? Love each other. Love each other. One of the things my wife and I have appreciated so much about this group of people here is everybody loves each other. Now, I know some of you, you're like, okay, I'm just a strong like right now. I'm not quite to the love thing with that person. Um, I get some of that. (laughs) You know. And I get that some of you are like, okay, well, you know, I like the pastor because, you know, I love his wife. You know, I mean, she's awesome. Um, but we'll put up with him because of her. Um, I get how that works too. Uh, but, but, but here's the genuine thing. If, if, if I, if there's a need and I say, Hey, there's a need right here for this family or for this situation or for that thing, people jump all over it. And I mean, people jump all over it to pitch in and do everything they can. You know, I have been fortunate. We have watched that this, the, in this project that we're in, in, where we've said, hey, look, here's the need, here's what we're going to do. I've watched people sacrifice all kinds of ways to make stuff happen. Why? Because we care about We're all in it together. And here's the thing. The world's watching. And they know it. And they see it. And they might be able to argue our theology, and they might be able to argue whether our beliefs, and they might be able to argue the other stuff. But you know what they can't argue? They can't argue the fact that we love and care for one another. And I think it's one of the strongest messages that we can send in our community, is that we care for one another, and we care for you. And, and I think if we're really going to reach people with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they've got to know, they've got to know, we love them, and we love one another. And I think the thing that you learn... That's the reason John is called the beloved disciple. And again, 
I'm not talking about some pushover kind of wimpy love. Oh, it's all love. Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. No, you read the guy. You read First John. And this is not a guy who's going. This is a guy who's saying, okay, let's talk about love now. Because here's what it actually looks like. You say you love God? Great. Got that person that you're having trouble with and you hate? Uh, 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 then you know what? You need to go back and check your love for God. Because when you love God, you're going to love those people. You're going to see them differently. And, and he's really, like I say, he's kind of black and white on that kind of thing, but you see it always tempered with love. And that's a challenge for us this week. So I want to challenge you as you go through. I wrap it up this way by saying this. John's life is a life of contrast. While he is often passionate in his reactions, he's also passionate in his love for Jesus. He reminds us that this world is not our home and better days are coming. He learns to balance truth to love, and he's a great example of someone who models what Jesus Christ taught. Let's go this week. Loving, caring about one another, speaking the truth, not compromising truth. And let's make a difference. There is somebody who you will cross paths this week that needs to know you love them and care for them. And the only way they may see the love of God is through you and through me. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, sometimes it gets so easy to get sidetracked. Sometimes it gets so easy, Lord, to lose perspective and help us not to do that. Lord, for your word, for the teaching and the, the, the things that we learn from the life of John, help us, Lord, not just to hear it but to apply it. Lord, we've all got those people in our lives that are difficult to love. Help us this week to grow in grace, to grow in mercy, to grow in, in, in our love one for another. Lord, for each of us, Lord, may we never compromise what we believe, but may we be able to temper it, Lord, with our care for one another. And help us to, Lord, learn to balance this idea of, of, of love and truth. And Lord, as we look at our world that doesn't look like it's getting any better, Lord, may we all understand and embrace the idea that the best is yet to come. Use this in our lives this week, these things we ask in your name.